Our first reading is from the book of Joel and is chapter 2, verses 18 to 32. Then the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people. The Lord will reply to them, I am sending you grain, new wine and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern army far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land, with its front columns going into the eastern sea and those in the rear into the western sea, and its stench will go up. Its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Be not afraid, O land. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Be not afraid, O wild animals, for the open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the autumn rains and righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. I'll show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion... And in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said among the survivors whom the Lord calls. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from Acts chapter 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you, by miracles, wonders and signs, 
which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Andrew and Erin. Just a a couple of quick notices before we begin. Uh, Easter's coming up in, I think it's a couple of weeks away, Uh, and we have some flyers. Uh, We normally do a flyer drop uh, around the the local area. Uh, If you're someone who's able to help with that, then uh, Molly will will remind you at the end of the service. There's there's some flyers. She'll she'll be near the entrance, uh, and she'll be able to give you some to to take away and and hopefully deliver. Uh, The other thing to let you know about, this is our... Uh, our last Sunday for nominations for uh, Vestry and for People's Warden for this year's AGM. So uh, please do, uh, after the service, uh, put down names for nominations. There are still clipboards out in the foyer. I'm pretty sure at the moment we don't have enough, so uh, please do get on to that. Uh, and the last thing to let you know about, this is our, uh, our second week in the Book of Joel. We're going to pause next week for our, our guest service. Uh, I hope we're still um, being prayerful and, and thinking about people we can invite along. Uh, and that, so that'll be next week, and then we'll finish Joel the following week. So let's pray and, and take a look at these words. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you uh, for your word, that you speak to us through it. Uh, please speak now, Lord. Uh, please work in us by your spirit. Uh, and we thank you so much that uh, each of us have been sent your spirit. Uh, we pray you'd be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you someone who spends much time thinking about the past? Uh, maybe there are things in your past that you'd rather leave there, unwise decisions you've made, uh, costly mistakes, perhaps sinful behaviour, things that you try to forget but you simply can't. Uh, they weigh heavily on your heart and mind. You can't seek, seem to shake those things. And even as a Christian, even though you know you have forgiveness in Jesus, uh, but every time those, those things come to mind, the, the feelings of guilt seem to overpower what you know to be true. How is your past impacting the way that you live now? The people of God in the book of Joel wouldn't have fond memories of the past, uh, particularly knowing how God dealt with their sin most recently. Uh, in today's passage, we see God make some promises for the future, and it's, it's a great help for his people who are still reeling from what has happened. And it's a help for us as we think about the things in, in our past and, and our present even that weigh heavily on us in this life. We see God promise to do two things, to restore his people and to renew his people. And we'll think about the impacts of both of those things for, for God's people and for us as God's people today as well. But first, a, a quick recap of Joel. Uh, we heard last week how, how swarms of locusts had struck God's people and, and devastated the land. But the shock of last week's passage uh, was that wasn't the destruction, but the fact that God was the one who had sent the locusts against his own people. God judged them in the hope that they would return to him. 
And Joel's message is clear. If you think that this is bad, there's something much worse coming for you if you continue in your ways. The day of the Lord. A day in the future that would be like no other. The day when God would return and and swiftly judge those who have gone against him. Joel says of that great day, the day of the Lord is great, it is dreadful. Who can endure it? And it left God's people in in quite a dark place because they were living as as if they were his enemies. But at the end of last week, there there was this little glimmer of hope for Israel if they would turn back to God. If their hearts changed and they they gathered together and cried out to God. Then maybe, maybe God would spare them. And this week marks something of a turning point in the book of Joel. Uh, The doom and gloom of the first chapter, I'm sure you noticed that uh, last week, it's replaced by hope. God's actions towards his people change. Uh, So let's look at the passage and and in it... uh, Let's have a look at these two promises that God makes. Firstly, he promises to restore his people in verses 18 to 27. In verse 18, God acts to bring about this restoration. Uh, Some of your Bibles might have a little footnote that says, Then the Lord was jealous for his land, and and he took pity on his people. Uh, Past tense, meaning it's something that had happened. And I think that's the way to read verses 18 and 19. He was jealous for his land, and he took pity on them. Or in other words... He spared them. When we hear that word jealousy, uh, we tend to think of it negatively. There's a sense of resenting others for what they have and and wanting it for yourself, being envious. That's often the way we we use that word jealousy. Uh, And it's something to avoid. But when we're told that God is jealous, this is a, a different jealousy. These are his people who he has made a covenant with. He's committed to them and they are to be committed to him. So when he says he sees that they're ignoring him and, and turning elsewhere, he feels a jealousy. Uh, it's a little bit like the book of Hosea. You may remember that Hosea is, is told to go and marry an adulterous wife uh, named Gomer. And his marriage serves as a picture of God's relationship with Israel. Gomer leaves Hosea and is unfaithful. But God calls on Hosea to take her back. Hosea is to pursue her and not to abandon her, to pay the price for her unfaithfulness. Because that is what God does with his people. He pays for our unfaithfulness. That's the story of the cross, isn't it? God is, is jealous for his people, like any loving husband would be if their bride is being unfaithful to them. That is the jealousy of the Lord that, that convinces him to act in Joel. And he spares his people and he begins to restore this relationship. Now, Secondly, he promises that he will deal with these agents of devastation. Uh, God talks about driving armies far away and, and destroying them. And I think in the context he's talking about the locusts who are, who are like an army in the destruction that they cause. Uh, I don't think it's a a literal army. And and the reason for that, if you look at uh, verse 25, God talks about the locusts that came and he describes them as my great army that I sent among you. The army of locusts will be driven away by God never to return. Uh, Some will be driven to a barren land, others will be driven to sea and and when they die, the smell will make it clear. Uh, In 2019, there there were some wild 
bushfires over the ditch in Australia, and there were reports of, of the smoke travelling all the way across the Tasman with the winds and being smelt here in New Zealand. Did, did anyone remember smelling the smoke? Quite a few. Now, in a similar way, when, when God deals with these locusts, the, the stench of their destruction will travel and, and the people will know that he has delivered them. So the locusts who, who left this path of destruction, destruction will destroy no more. Thirdly, he's going to restore their joy and gladness. And there are a few things mentioned in verses 21 to 24. He'll bring grain and new wine and oil to replace all that was lost. The pastures will become green once again. Uh, the animals will, will love that. There, there, there will be an abundance of fruit and the harvest will be great. The farmers will once again be able to provide for the needs of the people. The rain will replenish the land. Now put yourselves in the, in the shoes of an Israelite for a moment. Uh, you've, you've been through this devastating event where, where locusts have come and, and taken the livelihood of your people and, and of you. Then the prophet has told you that, that God is the one who, who sent this devastation and actually it was your behaviour that caused it. And so you, you repent. And God, for, for some reason, says he will show you mercy. And it's quite incredible but deep down, there, there's probably that, that lurking fear of the past. Will God do this again if we make another mistake? Is, is it a matter of time? Notice the change that, that God will bring in verses 20 to 23. He goes from saying, be not afraid, be not afraid, to then saying, be glad and rejoice. We follow a God who is able to take our fear and turn it to joy. Uh, I mentioned the past earlier, and, and for some here, the, the past causes very real fear. Sometimes it's fear that we're not really forgiven. Sometimes it's a, a fear of history repeating itself or, or something else. God says to his people, be not afraid, be glad and rejoice. He restores them, because with God, our, our past is in the past. And we know that because Jesus has shown us that. He's the one who remembers our sin no more, for he has paid the price for it. We know that Jesus offers forgiveness, uh, forgiveness full and free, which is, which is actually the, the theme for our Easter services, which are coming up. And we'll think more on that, that idea in the weeks ahead. But as we carry on, in, in verse 25, God says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The years of damage that has happened... Restoration is coming. It's initiated by God's jealousy. It leads to the destruction of the locusts and to joy and gladness among the people. Now in these verses we see that God promises to do even more. As well as restoration, he, he's actually bringing about renewal as well. Verse 24, the threshing floors will be filled with grain. grain. The, the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Verse 26, you will have plenty to eat until you are full. He promises satisfaction beyond what they have ever experienced. And in verse 26 and verse 27, he promises that his people will, will never be shamed again. But there's one major promise that helps us to see that God is, is bringing about renewal, and it's there in verse 28. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people, 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. If you were an Israelite hearing this promise, you'd be very confused because you would know that only certain people had God's spirit at certain times. Think prophets, priests, uh, kings even, maybe, maybe the odd other person. But this idea of, of all of God's people having it, that, that is very, very different. All of God's people will have the Spirit. Uh, some of the things he mentions, prophesying, dreams and visions, uh, when we hear that, we often think of it through our, our modern minds, but, but those three things, prophesying, dreams, visions, they point, a person, they point to a person who knew God. That was how a knowledge of God came to the prophet. And you see it in the book of Numbers, chapter 12, verse 6. Uh, when a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. To have visions and dreams at the time was to know God. And the prophet's role was to share that knowledge with the people. People knew God through the prophet, but when God promises to pour out his spirit, it won't just be the prophets who know him. It will be all of God's people, old and young, men and women. Now, the obvious question for these promises that, that God makes is, when would they happen? Uh, this, this passage in Joel is a really helpful reminder for us of how, how God's promises work, because some of these promises would have happened almost immediately. Uh, I'm guessing God dealt with the locusts, because the people don't go, don't go and die from a, an ongoing famine. But others, uh, other of, others of these promises would have happened in part. Uh, there were certainly times of joy and, and gladness among God's people, Times of satisfaction and complete contentedness in God. None of these, but none of these seem to have been completely fulfilled yet. And, and they won't be until the day of the Lord, when all sin and evil is done away with. Another example is how God's people have continued to be vilified and, and shamed at times. It happened to Israel even after this point. And, and so it also happened to God's own son. Think of the shame that Jesus faced at the cross tortured, mocked, scorned, uh, wrongfully convicted, and murdered. And even today, think of the shame that Jesus' followers continue to face as we share in his sufferings. Christians belittled for, for following Jesus, publicly shamed for the beliefs that we hold. Christians in other parts of the world martyred for their faith. God's promises have been fulfilled in part, but we still wait for the day when they will be completely fulfilled. And, and we really wrestle with that as Christians, don't we? That these promises may have been fulfilled in part, but one day when God will bring them to completion. But other promises like, like the Spirit being given to, to all people didn't happen till a lot later. Uh, Aaron read some of Acts 2 for us. And in Acts 2, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's, he's ascended to heaven. And as promised in the book of Joel, he gives the people his Spirit. And years later, the, the promise was, was finally fulfilled. Now, for you and I, we, we look back at this time in the history of God's people. We, we see these wonderful promises and think of other promises that God has made. And we'd love nothing more than for God to get a move on, bring about some of these things just a little bit quicker. But I think that's a great lesson for us in, in patience. We would have God act much quicker, I'm sure, but... He is acting according to his perfect timing. 
And that means as we think about our own circumstances, we might not get the restoration uh, with that friendship or relationship anytime soon. We may not get the justice that we deserve in certain situations. Sickness and struggle may be our companions all the way through this life. We won't taste the fullness of what is promised until the new creation. And that can make life very hard, can't it? Because we're called to, to show patience even as God has shown us patience. When we wait on God, we are reminded of the way he continues to wait on us. So God promises his people restoration. He promises them renewal. And while we might not fully experience God's promises until eternity, there's one great thing that Joel reminds us of in verse 27. God says to his people, Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. So God is a, a God who promises to be with his people. And that means what, whatever we face, he will be with us through it. There is a, a nearness there. He doesn't say, I'll, I'll watch you from afar. He says, I am in Israel. And when we get to the New Testament, we, we see that so clearly, don't we? Jesus arrives, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, I can remember visiting a guy some, some years ago. Uh, he had written one of the textbooks that, that we used to use when I was studying. And so a few, few of my classmates and I, we jumped at the chance to go and meet him. And when we turned up at, at his house, it, it's fair to say it's not what we expected from someone who had contributed so much to uh, Christianity, Christian literature. He, he spent most of his days at home as he cared for his chronically sick wife. He couldn't get out much because her health simply wouldn't allow it. And I remember him at, at one point being reduced to tears just explaining some of their situation. You could tell he was someone who, who longed for the new creation where his wife would, would no longer face this terrible illness. But here they were, continuing to persevere, knowing that God was with them through this journey. If you're someone who's, who's worried about your, your past or your present circumstances, remember what lies ahead and take comfort in knowing that God will be with you until that day arrives. He gave us his son, he has given us his spirit. Uh, and that's something we, we continue to enjoy even to this day. I know from, from time to time Christians can get a little bit worried about whether or not we really have God's spirit. If I'm so anxious about the past or the present or, the, or even the future, does that mean that I, I don't have God's spirit? Shouldn't I be more at peace? We know we have the spirit uh, the same way that people did back in Acts. Uh, another part of Acts chapter 2, which wasn't read, says this, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. If you're continuing to live a life of repentance, uh, turning to God, as we saw last week, that is, that is how we know we have God's Spirit. We know we're in a, a wonderful period in the the history of God's people. For all the hardships that we may face in this life, never forget how fortunate we are to be alive at a time where, where we enjoy the gifts of the Holy Spirit as we do. Do you see the, the privilege that we have today? We share in this renewal that God promised his people all those years ago and, 
And we actually have a similar role to the prophets of old. We, we know God and we speak to others about God. That's what the prophets did. When, when they got knowledge about God, they shared it. And as those who have God's spirit and, and know God in the person of Jesus, we, we've been entrusted with this role of telling others about God. Now, why should any of us care about that? Well, as we've heard, the day of the Lord is coming. The day when the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Uh, It's a horrific day where the judgment of God will be swift and, and merciless and ruthless. By God's Spirit, we've been given the message that can save people from that day. A message to help others to see their need to, to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Notice that the day of the Lord is, is called a great a great and dreadful day in verse 31. When we think about those two words, both are true, aren't they? It will be a great day for those who follow Jesus, who, who call on his name, as we saw last week, who, who turn to him for forgiveness. As we've seen this week, the joy and, and satisfaction we, appear, uh, we experience in part now, we will experience fully on that day. But it will be a dreadful day for those who continue to stand as enemies of God, refusing to bow the knee before him. Now let me pray that we and, and those we know and love would be among those who rejoice on that great day and who will live knowing it will come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day of the Lord that we know uh, is sometime ahead. And Father, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit. Father, please would you continue to transform us, uh, to live lives for you. Father, help us to live in light of, of that great day. And uh, we know people in our lives who, yeah, for who, whom that day uh, will be a, a devastating day. We pray you would help us to uh, be loving, to be courageous. Uh, help us to trust you uh, with them as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.